Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the Everybody procedure, calm. everyone? What's the procedure? Stay f- Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. We are halfway through pre-season. Two games done and dusted. Two more to go. Uh, I'm joined by Chris. Uh, now, Chris, what what are your some, some words, don't know where they're coming from, muddled all that up, but what are some of your favourite pre-season Chelsea moments from years gone by? Because I'm going to keep with that pre-season vibe. Oh, uh, caught me off guard there, not going to lie. <laughs> I've already wrote mine down because um, I'm too forgetful, as everyone knows, with Raheem Sterling from Monday. I, I, I don't really pay that much attention to pre-season. Like Pedro's goal from... I'm glad you said that. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> unreal goal. I, I, you know, there's another one which involves a back heel that I'm bringing up. Now, 2011, match... It's against Wickham Wanderers at the Cobham training facility. Yossi Ben Ayoun, a guy who is it he's in that rare category for me. I mean, he's a he's one of them players that everyone loves. At least you can't you don't hear people go dislike him. Because, you know, he, and he scored a goal that day. So outrageous that, you know, I've when I watch the videos, it looks like it's taken from FIFA Street. Because he receives receives a I mean, do you know do you remember this goal? No, I don't think so. I'll have to send you it in the group chat because it, it is brilliant. For for yourself and listeners who don't remember it, he gets a, a pass near the edge of the box and it's it's slightly behind him. So he, he's going to have to improvise here. And, and he does. He does. He elegantly juggles the ball twice using his heel. So if you can imagine that, edge of the box, once, twice, and then a third time to lob the goalkeeper. It's one of them where if it's not pre-season, you're probably saying that's a goal of the season, a Puskas goal of the season. It's it's just such a ridiculous good goal. It's amazing. And he was capable of that though, but not you. Oh yeah, but I mean he, he was what? another sort of inconsistent player when he was either great or dreadful. Yeah, I think he's he was decent at Arsenal and Liverpool. And obviously at West Ham and racing Santander. I mean they were Brilliant. I don't think he sort of hit it off at Chelsea, but you know, for that moment alone. <laughs> but the Pedro one, yeah, I can't can't argue with that one as well. Um there was a Ross Barkley free kick as well. I think that might have been last season. I'm not sure. I remember that. But Ross Barkley only turns up only turns up in pre-season. He definitely turns up. He's definitely there on the team sheet. I mean that's and then you're like, it's gonna happen again this year, and then it, it doesn't. And then we're all sad because we're stung again, but hey, hey, that's that's part of it. Um, we are we are going to kick off the show with a another round of who is that former blue? And my phone wasn't very loud there, so whatever. Uh, this former blue though, he's played nine games for Chelsea before leaving for eighteen million. He joined his current club back in twenty fifteen. He released an autobiography in 2014 titled Keep It Simple. And he has played with Marko Arnautovic, Nicholas Bentner 
and Chris Kamara's favourite player, Anthony Van Den Boer. Uh, any ideas from that selection of clues? Um, not a clue. I'm not going to lie. Ooh. Not not even not even an inkling of who it could be. Ooh. Okay, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out at the end. Uh, I've, I've got more. I've got more brilliant mind-bending clues. Um, before that, though, let's let's brew ourselves a hot cup of. Oh no, I have, I've I've missed it again. See, this week has been very. It's the heat. I blame the heat. Raheem yeah. Sterling, forget he signed. Oh dear, dear, dear me. But yes, before all that, we're going to head to the newsroom. See what latest is at Stamford Bridge. You've got mail. So, time to brew yourself that hot cup of green tea as we check out some news that you may have missed in our weekly roundup in the Elevator of Chelsea News. Real Madrid are following Rhys James closely. Chelsea have appointed Tom Glick as the club's new president of business. Squad numbers for pre-season have been confirmed. Gallagher gets 15, Sterling 17 and Koulibaly, that iconic 26. Marcus Alonso to Barcelona will not happen this summer. Chelsea is struggling to get the so-called unwanted players off the books. Jules Kunde is heading to Stamford Bridge, so suck on that one, Barcelona. And finally in the news, last week, Jorginho was pictured with Snoop Dogg. Well, Kepa, Azpilicueta, Werner, Havertz, Kovacic, Kennedy and Alonso were pictured with Steve Aoki. That's the collab album we all need. Ah, uh, right. As you may already know, <laughs> Barcelona, they need money, but we don't. We, we have Jules. I mean... <laughs> We, it actually happened. We can finally, we could just go for Barcelona social media, can't we? Uh, how are you feeling on this one, Chris? Um, I really hope you've seen the tweets, by the way. I feel, um, I mean, Matt no. Law, I, Matt Law, it's, it's, it's Matt Law level and Ben Jacobs, great Ben Jacobs, friend of the show. So it's pretty much, it's done. Well, I'll be honest with you, I think, I think the excitement of this transfer sort of died with everyone because it's been going on for over 12 months. Like, I mean, he's a good player and he'll be a good signing, I have no doubt, but I don't feel overly excited about it. I think just because it's dragged on for so long. Oh, no, I, I was really hyped. I was just thinking, you, you just knew that social media would go mad and all those Barcelona fans that pretty much baited Chelsea fans here going oh another L another L that it's just it's just carnage right now there's memes there's oh it's just it's just mad it's absolute madness if you want to type in Barcelona and Chelsea right now the, the content you will see it's something else it's something else it's weird though isn't it that they keep trying to go after the players who we want and yet we're trying to negotiate with them about their own players if you believe the Frankie de Jong rumours it's almost like we're rivals but also we will do business with each other as well yeah it's really no, weird it's, it is it's, it is a mad one and here's something that I didn't realise till this week his name's Frankie it's an E not an A I genuinely have been calling him Frankie de Jong for absolute seasons I think everyone has yeah you think Frank it's not him oh you basically don't sign Frankie de Jong because if you do it's not who you think it is it's not that it's not that it's not that wonder midfielder. Uh Jules Kunde well, I'm sure we'll discuss that in depth in future episodes when it's 
you know, we I think both Chris and I are on the same page here when he holds up the shirt or at least something with the official Twitter account <laughs> because we're always a bit nervous. You know, you think eh, it's not it's not quite signed, sealed, delivered, official, but hey, we, this seems pretty done deal now. Um, one thing I was I want to discuss on this. Uh, struggles in selling players. I mean, as it stands, we've made little progress selling the on, on the so-called unwanted players, struggling to find clubs who are even willing to pay a fee and take on, let's be honest, big wages to sign the likes of Kepper, Werner, and even maybe Michi Batshuayi. I mean, we know AC Milan have held talks over a loan move for Hakim Ziyech. And, you know, this is a player that Chelsea would rather cash in on. I mean, for me, this is because of the old regime that we're struggling. But am, am I missing something here? Because surely we should take any fee to get them shifted off the books. I mean, at least maybe work out some kind of deal where we pay off some of their contract to get them to move. I mean, that there was that's probably a business way, you know, similar to the NFL, like how they can sort of pay a contract off. So similar to how Baker Mayfield's left Cleveland to join Carolina. I mean, what are your thoughts on this this struggle we're having this like for selling? Well, this this is a a problem now that was caused years ago when we signed these players and you put them on money that no one else is ever going to pay them. It's it's not just a Chelsea thing now. I want to I want to get that out there because like oh yeah hundred percent. I think our our board, like the old regime and even the new one from certain quarters, take a lot of criticism for certain things. But this is a football problem. Like Aston Villa, that years ago they had the same problem with like Michael Richards and Julian Lescott. They was on hundred, hundred twenty thousand pound a week when they got relegated. And, and no one was that one as well. Yeah, exactly. And no one would pay them that. So yeah. those players wouldn't leave. So then you've got to keep them because there's nothing else you can do about it. And this is why I don't overly like long-term contracts. Like, you know, whenever we renew someone's contract, it's always five years. And everyone's like, oh, that's really good now because you've tied them down for so long. Mm. I don't like it because I think five years in football is is a really long time. And a player can either get incredibly good or they can get worse or they could have three good years two really bad ones i think it's too long i I would much prefer when we do contract extensions especially for non-superstar players i think Mm. your your top level players are different but for the rest of your 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 squad players just do two years with an option of a year i think we should always put the power in the club's hands whereas if you put someone on a five-year contract, that player then has all the power to say, well, if less someone else pays me £150,000 a week, I'm not going anywhere. Whereas if they're only on a two-year contract, if at the end of that two years they've been really good, maybe they've come into the team and done better than we thought, we've got the option for the other year. But if they haven't, and they're people like Barkley, then you only have them for two years. And then when it hasn't worked out, you just let them go and everyone cuts their losses. It's better than keeping them for five years hoping that someone might pay a fee for them at some point. Mm. And if not, we've still got to pay them ridiculous amounts of money every week. I mean, many will say that Romelu Lukaku is the biggest flop in Chelsea history. Now, for me, I disagree. Because you saying about this wages and contracts, Winston Bogard, for the listeners who have 
supported Chelsea for much longer than I've I've been alive, you've been alive, they will remember that vividly, how his wages, and he just sat on them, we offered them, and obviously we all know the comments because obviously he was he was willing to, he was never going to take a pay cut because of the money he was on, whatever. But that, especially with the financial situation that was happening at Stamford Bridge during that period, where we were teetering on the brink of administration and liquidation, you know, for me, that will always be the biggest disaster in the transfer window because it's, you know, Romelu Lukaku, we, we're still a club. You know, we still exist. We can still sign players. Back then, yeah. that could have literally took the club out of existence, which would have been, you know, it's madness to think it, but it, it was genuinely possible. And, hey, if if you don't know much about that story, uh, I, I encourage you to look it up and research it. It's very interesting and, you know, it, it, from both sides of the, uh, you know, the situation. But, uh, yeah, the contracts we do offer... I mean, we've had firm offers, we have for players, but they've been for the young stars, such as Broya uh, from West Ham, and if we're led to believe, Levi Colwell. And of course, I mean, they have high ceilings and aren't on £200,000 per week. I mean, the fact that uh, Timo, he's on £272,000 per week, that's bloody criminal. I mean, who agreed on that? I mean, of course, it, we did, you know, uh, as our old... You what? Sorry? I, I don't get that. I don't get... Even when we signed him, he wasn't worth that much a week. He wasn't that proven that you thought... it's not. It wasn't like signing Ronaldo or Messi, where you thought they've been at the top level for so many years, you have to put them on that sort of money, otherwise they won't come. Werner was just... He was well sought after, but not mm. a superstar. Who... who, who got that number and thought that's a good idea i think when you looked at his track record obviously it was the right if you look at his leipzig record from 16 as we said 16 70 this is bundesliga only by the way 21 in 31 then he had 13 in 32 16 in 30 and then before joining 28 in 34 you sort of thought oh it's a, a goal every other game he's you know he's yeah and i know the bundesliga tax and they all joke about it and you think oh the quality but I don't know. I mean, our third highest earner is Timo Werner. He's behind Sterling and Kante. And I'm guessing Kulabali. I'm guessing because we don't know his wages. And I'm sure someone's going to put that out there. But oh my word, we need to wake up there. I mean, under Bowley, I want a revamp of our pay structure because we don't want to end up like Manchester United. And this is this is a good good point i want to bring up the united wages i did some research read like a comedy sketch i mean again sourced from my favorite spotrap.com so all numbers are per week you've got ronaldo on 510 no wonder they can't ship him off i mean <laughs> you know who's paying that uh de gea 375 sancho 350 varan 340 martial 250 Whew. hmm i mean de gea he's Still one of the better goalkeepers in the game. Ronaldo, that's what you get with Ronaldo. You're going to have to pay that. Sancho, uh, okay. That Bundesliga feeling again. Varane, uh, okay. And Martial, he just does good in pre-season. Has a splash of form and then disappears for a bit. You, uh, that's the thing. And if you bring in these top-level players, they're going to look at that wage structure that everyone has access to almost to a point and go, I'm better than that wage. I'm better than him, so I should be on that wage. You know what I'm saying? 
yeah, I, I personally think that new signings shouldn't come in and be your top earner because with every transfer, there's a risk and it doesn't matter who you sign in, they might not be as good for you as they have been for the place that you're signing them from. So that should always be taken into account and that sort of money they should earn, mm. I think. I know that's not how football works. I'm nope, well no, it's aware. not. You probably won't get the players if you don't start offering them money. Like you look at Liverpool, they've had a very strict wage structure, but they've had to break it now to get Mo Salah to sign his contract, otherwise he wouldn't have. That's so, the, yeah, that's the debate I had on Twitter when I said they said, oh, Mason Mounts will walk if, you know, Liverpool would offer him such and such. And I'm thinking that there's like two players on more than 200 grand a week at Liverpool, and that's Van Dijk and Salah. And Salah is the one yeah. who's recently hit 350. So, mm, yeah. I don't think they're offering. No, it's just not happening. But I, I just think we always haggle over how much a player's worth in terms of how much we're paying a club. So they want 60, we only want to pay 50, and then you settle on 55 or whatever. Are you talking about a certain Jules Gunday there? Yeah, but <laughs> so we've haggled, but we, we have haggled for nearly, nearly a year, probably, over his price. Yeah, and true. it seems as though we've, we've finally settled on what everyone's happy with. But it seems like wages, we just think, oh, give him what he wants. And hmm. I don't understand that. Like, if you're valuing him less than what his club are, and yet you're paying him more than what he's on now, so are you either saying he's good or he's not? It's completely contradictory to say we only want to pay fifty million, but we will give you three hundred grand a week. Well, no, that that doesn't correlate, does it? If you're paying one hundred and fifty million for someone, then you would expect to be putting them on mega money. But if you're only paying fifty million for someone, should they be on 300 grand a week? This Probably is the, not. Yeah, this is the point when I said about Mountain James. Look, they're, they're two top-class players and two of our best players. Um, but they're going to be due another two big contracts. Now, I know TV money and everything changes over time. But if we were to offer them, this isn't a pure example. I've seen people say 250. OK, let's offer them 250 done. When their contract comes up for renewal, they're not going to likely go 250 i'll accept that they're going to be looking at well 300 325 what's everyone else on uh you've got to be very careful uh, we want the to keep only, them but you've got to be course. careful but the only way i think we can protect ourselves in that situation is by giving them a mega long contract if they want mm, to mm-hmm. AT now fine then you sign a seven-year contract Alan Partridge, Alan Partridge, Alan Pardew levels. Yeah, then by then, they'll be what? Coming up to 30? That's about right, isn't it? About 22, um, Yeah, that's about fair, yeah. Yeah, so they'll be coming up to about 30 by the time that contract runs out. So, so that way you've protected the club a bit because they probably would have lost a bit of value by then anyway in terms mm. of the footballing world. Um, so they're probably more likely then to not want a massive pay jump. They'd maybe want a small one or they'd maybe accept what they're on now. Um, So that's the only way I think you can put them on mega money now, but they have to be long-term contracts. I honestly think all of of our problems with wages goes back to when we gave Hudson Adoy his contract. Oh, yes, I do remember that. I I remember that podcast as well with Berth. We we were all hyped, excited, because obviously the buy-in sort of situation... It's not looked good in hindsight. And not everything, you can look at everything in hindsight and go, oh, that was awkward. 
But it, yeah, it's our wage oh, structure is hopefully it changes or at least it just makes more sense, I think is the best way of putting it. Yeah, because we never should have broke our wage structure for, for a 19 year old kid. It's, I, just don't. It, I know what you mean. I do understand what you mean there because it's obviously okay. it's not messy or, yeah. you know. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, we've done with that. I mean, Charlotte FC review. Uh, it's the second pre-season game of our America tour. I mean, we took on the MLS franchise, Charlotte FC, uh, who were only founded two years ago. So got to say the, the vibe from the skyline, though, before the game was absolutely stunning. I mean, I, I think for me, there's just something so niche about seeing football games played in NFL stadia. Um, I mean, the game ended 1-1. Charlotte won on penalties. So Tuckle's got to go, obviously. Joking. Bloody hell, do not clip and edit that. Uh, who impressed you from the game? Uh, not many. Uh, <laughs> it was it was one of them. Weren't the most entertaining. No. Um, Raheem looked good, I mean, to be fair. Sterling did look good. He looked lively. Um, scored the penalty. Scored his pen. Which is good. Which is good. And it's kind of what I would expect from him, to be honest. And, I personally would have liked to have seen him start the game. I think mm. we have this weird obsession with giving our signings loads of time to, to train before they play. And it doesn't seem like any other club's doing that. Like Liverpool signed Darwin Nunes. He played their first pre-season game and he's played all of them since. And mm. Gabriel Jesus went to Arsenal, signed. I think it was three days later, played a pre-season game. I, I don't know why we are obsessed with waiting. Well, he, got, he came on for the second half, didn't he? He came on for Pulisic. Yeah, he did. Um, Pulisic, I think, has looked a, a bit more like himself this pre-season. Mm-hmm. Um, gone back to, obviously, nowhere near the level he was under Lampard, but the similar way of playing, he, he, he seems to be taking the ball on the turn a bit more, trying to go past people, trying to make things happen. He seems like someone who wants to fight for his place and he knows the competition's there, but mm. he wants to he wants to earn his place in the team. I've been quite impressed with him in terms of his mentality this preseason. I mean, it might sound stupid, but he has such a perfect platform now because of the fact that we have American owners. And him being, when you when you think of the team, the national men's team for the USA, he is their, their flagship player. So he yeah. has such an option to be that flagship player Premier League player for for us, and it, this is the per. It may, his mentality seems decent, and I can't fault him for that. And I really hope he does well because I think if my memory serves me right, it was during the Frank Lampard era. He really looked a good player, and then he sort of got a bit of an yeah. injury. He, he wasn't it. His, he did his leg or his Achilles in the FA Cup final, didn't he? Trying to FA Cup yeah. final scoring, yeah, because that. During the restart, when everything was behind closed doors, the the, the summer of Premier yes. League football, um, he was unbelievable. He was he was as close to Eden Hazard as I've seen since Hazard left. He yeah, was, I can see where you're coming from there. Absolutely outstanding. But then he got that injury, and it just he just never really got going again. Mm. But I think I'd like to say though that he took his goal well in this game. It's Obviously, it's a really simple finish for any professional footballer when the goalkeeper's lying down. But mm-hmm. more importantly is he was playing out wide and look where he was to score that goal. 
He was yeah. in the width of the goal. And I've been saying for ages that I've been critical of Pulisic a lot. Uh, but I've always said that I think the reason why I would keep him is because he is as close to a modern-day winger as we had at the time. Sterling's obviously mm. in there now as well. But he he attacks the box, he attacks the goal, he gets himself into goal-scoring positions, and that's what he did for his goal in this game. And I think if if he had a full season where he was backed completely and he was told, you're going to be the guy, and give him that confidence... I think we could see a really good player again, but I don't think he's a player who can dip in and out of the team. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Yeah. I mean, if it, if you put him in that Liverpool team, right now I'm thinking about it, I'm a little bit worried that, oh, he's going to absolutely be on fire. Wow. I mean, him, yeah. Darwin, um, Diaz. When, I'm starting to think. Ooh. When he was linked to Liverpool a few weeks ago, I, I, was, I publicly said that, that, I think at Liverpool he'd do wonders. Yeah, and then we all look foolish again. Uh, I mean, exactly. Mason Mount was good, solid performance. Kennedy, who always seems to be good in pre-season, is one of them. Uh, Gallagher and Ampadu individually look quite lively. Uh, no, it's, I did notice in the game that we kind of lost control of the midfield, which kind of leads me to ask, can Gallagher play in a midfield too? No. Well, he can. Of course he can. <laughs> but... I think it's the same as Kovacic playing in a midfield too. I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think that's Kovacic's best position either. I like Kovacic and Jorginho as a as a pair. I think those two work really well together. But I would. Would I say that we are getting the best from Kovacic in a midfield too? Probably not, because to play in that. To be fair, I don't. I don't. I don't think it overly suits Jorginho. Um, to play in a double pivot, you have to have all of the skill sets that you'd want in a midfielder. To be really successful at it at the top level in terms of winning league titles, you would need two players in there who can do everything. They can defend, they're physical, they're quick across the ground, they can win aerial duels, they can win ground duels, they can dribble out of tight spaces, they can pass long, they can pass short. Those players are incredibly hard to find. I, I, I mean, you could probably count on one hand the number of them in world football. So the chances of getting two of them at your club is slim. And I don't think you would get... I've likened on Twitter recently... Playing Gallagher in a midfield two would have been exactly the same as if we'd done it with Lampard. He can play there and he'll put in solid enough performances there. But are you going to get the best from him? Imagine if you put Lampard in a midfield two and said to him, you're going to have to be a little bit more cautious with your runs into the box. You're going to have to back the play up rather than running into the box all the time. You could have cut his goals in half, probably. By, by doing that it's the same with Frank Lampard was really good at what he did but when I think it was um, Phil Scalabi took over he tried playing him as a number 10 behind two strikers Lampard yeah. was terrible at it. absolutely terrible at it I because mean, he does move his back to goal yeah Gallagher he, he, go on sorry no finish your point yeah and that's that's the same with Gallagher He he's a very Lampard-esque midfielder I think who likes to start the play 
and then arrive late in the box. That's what he did for Crystal Palace so well. That's what he did at Charlton as well during his loan spell there. He starts the play and then he joins in in the box. And I think if you put him in a midfield too, he'll be solid enough in there. But I just think he'd just he'd just be Ruben Loftus Cheek. He'd do uh, some good things, but then people are criticising for not defending properly. We, we don't know what formation Tuchel is going to go ahead with this this season. Whether it's three four three four, we really don't know. I mean, for me, Gallagher would be perfect in the three man midfield as the more offensive mid because that's what we saw him do for Palace. I mean, I know it's how teams set up against Palace is different how they set up against Chelsea, but it's difficult. It's one to keep an eye on. Um, there's still two pre-season games left. Uh, Emerson was good. I mean, I, f- I kind of feel that if 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 the attitudes are good, as in that he wants to stay, he should be kept because he could he could also cover centre back, one-off matches anyway. But left wing back, he's a really good backup for Chilwell. Yeah, I agree. But if Alonso's not going. Then yeah, that's a. Can you have three people for one position there? No, it, logically you'd say no. Exactly, and yeah. especially three people who all want to play. Because yeah, Chilwell, yeah, of course. Chilwell obviously is the starter at the moment. Alonso can always make a case for starting, especially as a wing back. And then but, and Emerson, I don't think he would accept being third choice. To be fair, usually you go, well, in a World Cup year, well, Italy aren't going to the World Cup, so it doesn't really matter for, for him. No. So, no. I, I mean, best of the worst for me was the Conor Gallagher penalty. Uh, you can oh. hang that in the Hall of Shame. Oh, my word. I mean, I, I'd rather see it in the pre-season than in a huge knockout semi-final in the Champions League. Uh, have you seen any worse than that? Oh, do you know what? I don't think I have. Uh, I seen I seen something funny on Twitter that said he pressed the pass button instead of shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! It, I, I mean, it, it looked like that, didn't it? it, it oh, looked, yeah, it was bad. I mean, I remember one a long time ago from Mika Richards for City against Olympiacos, where it's just kept going over the bar, just out the stadium into space yeah. somewhere. Uh, it's 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 preseason. This is actually a point, and I'll address it here. I mean, it, it's a preseason friendly. It's a pre-season friendly. This game means nothing. No pre-season friendlies do. I mean, if you cut, if you look at the end of the game, you got players from both sides. They're all having a laugh and a joke because they're like, "Oh, the game's going to penalties." Oh, I mean, of course you have the banter, and that's always on social media. You know, it's probably just to get people's backs up. You know, the accounts, the rival fans, always seem to be hot on the press of any tweet from the club account, and uh, boom, they've replied with some hilarious banter. Uh, look, 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 remember Darwin Nunes a few weeks ago was a, the worst signing in Liverpool history and now he's got a four goal, you know, four goals against his in his latest preseason. He's, he's amazing, world class. You know, let's let's calm down. Spurs won nearly all their preseason friendlies in 2008-9, I think it was. Scored a ridiculous amount of goals, conceded barely any. They were in the relegation battle and Ramos was sacked and Harry Redknapp was brought in. I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen the comments because, go on. The, the the overreaction on social media is ridiculous, and yeah, yeah. I, I I don't I don't really understand why people put so much stock in preseason friendlies. I think you have to look beyond, especially the result, and performances are always going to be a bit patchy because of the number of changes. Normally, changing a whole eleven at half time, you could, you're almost watching two different games. 
Well, it's so, fitness levels, isn't it? And let's be, let's yeah. be real. We've, we've not got one. <laughs> I mean, we're pre-season for a reason. And Charlotte FC are well deep into the MLS season. Of course, they're going to be more at it and more chem. There's going to be chemistry. You, the Chelsea team is literally just put together to see who stands out. That's the whole point of pre-season. And the ESPN commentators are obviously going to try and sell this game because that's part of their job. And, you know, to Chelsea, and it should be to Chelsea fans, the result means fuck all. You know, fair play to Charlotte FC. You know, I'm sure they'll have made many fans on the night in a, in a city that's quite new to football. Two years, as we said, it, it's known for a different kind of football. But it's a win-win for both clubs. We've got some fitness. We've seen some players who might be in the first team. Maybe they're not. And Charlotte FC have gained some more viewership from, obviously, Chelsea fans and others around the world who have watched the game. I'll tell you something, though, that has come out of these two pre-season games for me. And he's been getting a lot of stick, actually, on social media. But I actually think Batshuayi hasn't been too bad in this pre-season. Yeah, I agree. I actually have been quite impressed. I'm not saying... I'm not saying I'll definitely keep him and maybe he should start and all this before people go over the top again, reading into what you're trying to say. But Mm. he's looked more lively in his 2.45 minutes than Kai Havertz has. Interesting take, but I am not going to disagree. Because I think he's linked the play well. I think he's got Mm. involved in the build-up well. Yes, he's missed some chances. We know he's not elite level, so that's going to happen. We all know that. No one's saying he's world-class all of a sudden. But he's looked like, again, a bit like Pulisic, that he wants to be there and he's almost fighting to try and prove that I can do a job in the squad. And I actually think he could do a job in the squad. I I don't think we're going to have an abundance of money left over to sign a, a backup striker and... Well, he apparently is, we're yeah. going for a third centre-back after Kunde, which I thought was like... I mean, I get it. We, we lost Christensen, whether you like him or not, and Rudiger. So, but I'm like, wow, OK, we're really going for it yeah. here. That's what I mean. So, we're not going to have loads of money left for a striker. And mm. he, is, he is a different sort of striker to Havertz, which I think you always need. Because if Havertz isn't working in a game, there's no point taking him off and bringing on someone who's exactly the same. Because obviously the team have worked out how to play against that sort of player. So he is a bit different. He does put himself in good positions in the penalty box. He may miss chances, but again, he's another player who's in there to get those chances. And I just think there'd be no point in loaning, putting him on another loan spell where we're not going to gain anything from it money-wise, just for the sake of it when he could quite easily stick around the squad. And he seems like the sort who would be quite happy to just stick around the squad and play, you know, a handful of games here and there. Yeah, I mean, it's like when we had Giroud. He was the a good option to bring on instead of when it was Havertz during the Champions League run, obviously, because he offers something different. And that's the point. You need to, if you're going to change the game because it's not working, you're not going to bring on the same type of player. I mean, it's not, exactly. it's not, it's unlikely. I, we'll see how the, we've got Arsenal and then we've got Udinese. Um, there are some other pre-seasons with the development squad, but um, for the main squad, obviously two left to go. Uh, but hey, before we sign off, we're going to find out who that former blue is and 
At the start, I said he's played nine games for Chelsea before leaving for 18 million. He joined his current club back in 2015. He's still there. He released an autobiography in 2014 titled Keep It Simple. And he's played with Arnautovic, Bentner, and Chris Kamara's favourite player, Anthony Van den Boer. So I feel when I give the clubs, you are literally going to have a light bulb moment and know straight away. So, Arnautovic. Oh, you will. I am certain you will get this. So, Arnautovic was at Vreda Bremen. Nicholas Bentner was at Wolfsburg. Vandenborg, this is the one, this is the one, was at KRC Genk. Uh, so, now you've built me up there to get this. And, um, I, I, it's, it's not someone obscure, I promise. Oh, I know who it is. Yeah, I, well, I hope I do. Go on. Is it Kevin De Bruyne? And you even take the lead over Berth, who's absent today. 11 to 10 for you now on the scoreboard. I thought I'd pick out someone, you know, people know of, but still has the most surreal, you know, history at our club. You think 18 million at the time? Wow. How did we get 18 million for this lad? <laughs> and then hindsight crying. I just thought that because I was looking at it and I thought he only played nine times and we still got 18 million for him. How did we do that? I think we, I think he got an assist on his debut as well. I, I It was one of them because at the time, 18 million, everyone's laughing going, we got 18 million for Kevin De Bruyne. Brilliant. And now it's, oh no, <laughs> 18 million for Kevin De Bruyne. Hey, it's one of them. Uh, I tell you, I've always said about Kevin De Bruyne and Salah, actually, because people always bring him up as well, that there's no way that they are the players they are today if they stayed at Chelsea. Exactly. This is it. I mean, that's that's the fact. If they'd have stayed at the club, they don't instantly become the superstars they are today. No. It doesn't work like that. You know, they had to go to Fiorentina, Roma, obviously Wolfsburg, and then... Yeah, yeah, especially Kevin De Bruyne. I Mm. don't think he's anywhere near the level he's at now if he doesn't join Guardiola. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was amazing. uh, He's been amazing. One of the best players in the Premier League. So, hey. Uh, With that, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. We're going to be back on Monday. We've got to review that Florida Cup final for against Arsenal. I mean, will there be a trophy presentation? Does anyone truly care? (laughs) Arsenal will. Hey, look, we've got a trophy. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, if we lose, people are going to, we're going to get banter. If we win, who cares? It's it's a (laughs) pre-season. They take these, there's so many presentations. And you just think, oh, yeah, yeah, great. We won a trophy. You're not going to list it on your CV. You're really not. not. You know. Uh, As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Search at, at the bridge pod. So till Monday, that's going to be us signing off.